How have the New York Giants set themselves up for the draft? Why is Saquon Barkley more responsible for the team's success last year than Daniel Jones? All this and more on the next edition of the Lachlan Giants podcast with special guest, Coach Gene Clemens. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. I'm Patricia Trainer, your host. Welcome to a new week. It is Monday, and uh, it's the last week of March, which means we're going to coast through the rest of the month, and then we're going to get into the month of April, draft month. And uh, we're going to talk about the draft. We're going to talk about free agency, stuff the Giants have done with the one and only Gene Clemens, Coach Gene Clemens, who joins me on the podcast today. Coach, thank you so much for coming. Absolutely. And, and it's really a, a fun time of year. Um, a lot of free agent signings. I know we're going to talk about a lot of them. Um, obviously, the draft is coming up. So, you know, over at Giants Country, everyone's probably working on their mock draft right now. Mm-hmm. So people should definitely be looking to um, check those out as they drop throughout the month of April. Um, and and then obviously, if you haven't already, I, I, I don't do it enough. And somebody told me you actually should like tell people to follow you. Please follow me. That would be great. At Gene Clemens everywhere that you um, find social media and then the um, YouTube channel, Coach Gene Clemens. Um, I really do appreciate you having me on, PT. No problem. And you can see Coach Gene's, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, that is, you can see his his uh, Twitter handle there at the bottom of the screen. So give him a follow. And uh, as he mentioned, we are going to be rolling out uh, mock drafts on Giants Country. And of course, I've got a mock draft I'm going to have to roll out here on the Locked on Giants podcast that's coming. We've just been waiting for free agency to kind of calm down. But anyway, let's get into some of these moves, Coach Gene, that the Giants have made. What are some of the moves that they've made that you really are, made you stand up and say, yes, about time they addressed it, this particular area? Um, I don't know if there's a yes, but I have been, I have been impressed by some of the moves um, they've made. I will say this. I like the fact that they they have not, in my opinion, reached on people that they were not really serious about about them. Um, I know a lot of people wanted the Giants to go out and, and, and go big game hunting for a wide receiver, but I really do like the moves that they've made at receiver. One in particular, um, Paris Campbell. I think that Paris Campbell's a starter day one. Um, I don't see how they keep him off the field. Um, if you're if you're thinking about what Slayton brings, he is Slayton with more wiggle. Um, he's Slayton with 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 with, with more ex- explosiveness, if that's possible. Um, and so I really like the way he looked um, last year in in Indy, even though Indy was a dumpster fire for most of the year with with everything that was going on with the coaches and what they wanted to do at quarterback. Um, the instability of the situation that he was in, I really think he can come in. He and Slayton, and you know I've been on 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 having Slayton back since when everybody thought that they should just cut him. I, I really think that's that when you have a Slayton and you have, you know, these pieces, you may not have like a legitimate number one, but you have a lot of two threes 
in the in in the um in the fold, and you can win a good amount of games. It's not gonna. I'm tired of people saying, "Oh well, you know, Daniel Jones is out there throwing the people off the street." That's not the case. Like the, Paris Campbell is not a guy off the street. He's a he's a legitimate receiver. Steven Slayton is a legitimate receiver who we know probably turned down more money to go somewhere else and stay here in um in 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 New York. So I think we have to put a little bit more respect on these people's names. So I really like Paris Campbell. Obviously, Darren Waller. As a guy who believes in two tight end sets and how much two tight end sets give um defenses problems, especially in the NFL. Having a, a two tight end set where you can put Waller as like your slot end or your wing, and then you still have a legitimate blocker who can who also has proved himself as a pass receiver. I, I think that that takes this offense to another level, especially when you consider the other guys that they have in the fold at wide receiver. And so Waller could be, if healthy. Waller could be like your big X kind of receiver that you could flex out um, on a single receiver side and then and then allow guys like Slayton and Paris Campbell and Wondell Robinson when he comes back healthy to be able to operate underneath or or one over the top or or a guy coming across. So I really like that from an offensive standpoint. Defensively, um, Amani Arawarie. I believe he has a chance to come in and start right now. I think he's better than the two cornerbacks that they drafted the last two years. I don't think there's even there's even any doubt about it. He's coming here, and I know I know the young man personally. He's coming here to play football. He's not coming here to be a backup. And so he believes that he can go in there opposite of of whomever ends up over there. Um, he, I think he gives you range. I think he gives you length. I think he gives you explosiveness. He gives you somebody that's willing to tackle at that cornerback position. He's a man-to-man type of guy, and we know that Coach Wink likes man-to-man types of guys. They're still going to take a cornerback early in this draft, obviously. They're going to take a cornerback early in this draft because you almost have to keep shooting until you make one, right? And so they're going to take a cornerback early. But if they decide to go in another direction and maybe take a cornerback on day two, I think you can you could probably see it in a Amani Awari Ah, he always he always gets mad at me. I mess his name up. <laughs> Amani, you know I love you. He can he he has an opportunity to come in here and start right now. Yeah, and and by the way, you're not the only one who trips over the name. I must have tripped over it about four or five times when I was doing my show yesterday. I, I've so, never called him by his last name in high school. I we, never called him. You coached him at some point. We we um so so. Um, Amani graduated from my alma mater, Gaither High School. Go Cowboys! Um, he, when I moved back to um, Tampa from coaching in college in Ohio, he was going to Gaither, and so I was there. And so we 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 kind of crossed paths. I never like directly coached him, but I was I was intimately involved and around the program at that time when he was there and, and loved watching him and a bunch of other guys from Gaither High School continue on and, and, and you know, be able to, to, to attach their dreams in college. And it's been great to watch him from afar. But I think that he's a, he's a young man who is still young enough to be a part of this team going forward. 
and he has requisite skills that I think work perfectly with what, what, what Coach Martindale wants to do with the defense. All right, I want to ask you about the receivers. Now, you look at the collection of receivers they've added. Most of them seem like they're big, you know, they're slot guys. The draft class looks like it's predominantly slot guys. So from a coaching perspective, you know, everybody seems to think you've got to have a big outside receiver. And you mentioned Aaron Waller could probably be that guy. But, in ter- you know, with the NFL changing the way it has, how much more creative now does having multiple slot receivers allow an offense to be? I believe that there are there are ways that you can get around having a legitimate X receiver in today's football. Your traditional X receiver is a guy who's flanked out on the line of scrimmage. But I think now where you see these tight ends that can flex out and really be legitimate weapons outside, that's not necessarily the case. Also, these slot receivers, at least the guys that they are calling these slot receivers now, they are bigger, they're stronger, they're faster than what used to be considered a slot receiver back in the day. The slot receiver back in the day was twofold. It was the underneath possession receiver who, who was more like a Wes Welker type, quick but not fast. And then there were your burners. There were your Deshaun Jacksons who could just take the top off the take the top off the defense from the slot, but you wanted him to stay off the line because you didn't want him to get jammed by a cornerback. Well, now with nickelbacks being so prevalent in the game, you're going to get a cornerback in the slot to be able to match up. So all you're doing is inverting a guy on or off the line of scrimmage, wherever they are. So you can see a lot of different ways in which the Giants can use these guys who are considered to be slot guys, but not exactly small. Slayton's not small. Paris Campbell's not small. They're just not six foot three. Um, Wondell Robinson is small. So he's going to be in the slot, right? But when Slayton was playing outside um, most of last year, there wasn't a lot of problems with him playing outside or playing wide. Um, Most of the time he was off the ball because he was on the side with a tight end. And, And so you saw a lot of that. This opens up the opportunity, in my opinion, for the Giants to not reach for a wide receiver. Yes, there are guys who I believe are talents that can be had, but if there's a run on receivers at any point in the first round, and now they don't feel like they have to reach for a receiver because they have these slot guys who've played a lot outside. Paris Campbell played a lot outside last year with all of the injuries to um Indianapolis' receiving core, and then Slayton played a lot outside last year. And then, obviously, we we know we have other guys back um, on the team that are outside guys. So I don't think that's necessarily – I think that's a a way that you will see them not have to reach for somebody because they see a run on receivers coming. But then it also opens them up to take a guy – Later in the draft, maybe a a round three or round four, that might be a bigger body wide receiver, might be a bigger body wide receiver that people don't think is an early round guy. It it turns into one of those guys who can be a, a solid outside X receiver, but not the number one because the number one is a slot guy. And so 
those different dynamics, I think, really help the Giants to be a, a lot more diverse in how they decide they want to attack wide receiver in the draft because they know that these other guys can do the job. Hey, Giant fans, March Madness Tournament is heating up and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. Make every moment more with Fandle. You opine that Saquon Barkley was more instrumental for the Giants' success last year than Daniel Jones. Do I have that correct? Absolutely. Why do you feel that way? If you just look at look at the look at the production of the team, look at the winning of the team. The winning of the the predominance of the wins in the regular season last year came in the first eight games of the season. That was the healthiest that Saquon Barkley was all season. Week nine, I believe, week nine, week 10, he started getting banged up, bruised. We saw the, we saw the losses when he wasn't as focal of, of the, the attention of the offense as he was in the first eight games. You saw it drip, drop off. Now you saw the production of Daniel Jones increase, but that production of his increased at the behest of wins. Outside of the, outside of the Colts game, where, come on, like the Colts had already melted in, and it was clear that people wanted Daniel Jones to really look good in that game because he probably should not have played that entire game. Um, outside of that game, outside of the of the Minnesota game that he had where he played really well, but they lost, the production of the overall team when it came to wins and losses were more prominent when Saquon Barkley was running the show um, those first eight to maybe nine games of the season. And so when I said it, it wasn't necessarily a diss at Daniel Jones because it came from a question of what statement would you make about the Giants that would have people with the knives at your neck, the cartoon that was. And, And that's one that I believe. And I think that the one thing that we've done philosophically as the outside looking in is that we've devalued running backs, even if the coaching staffs have not. Got to ask you this because not a whole lot is being said about this, except maybe amongst the fan base. And it's a legitimate point, obviously. What is this team going to do about the interior offensive line? I mean, they've lost Gates. They lost Feliciano. I know at the end of the last year, uh, Joe Shane said, oh, we're going to have competition at guard and center. Right now, who do they have on this roster? And, you know, to me, I think they might as well just take a billboard out in Times Square and say, we're drafting interior offensive line early in this draft, you know, because that seems to be where it's headed. Absolutely. Except you have to remember um, they drafted heavy on the interior offensive line, just not at center. So if you if you believe in um, Azudu, then and you, and and he was trending towards a starter before he was hurt, before he was injured. You got to believe that he's going to come in and man that left guard position. That that now has both of your tackles taken care of and both of your guards taken care of with Glowinski being over at right guard. 
center is the center is the the focal point, but the, the the Giants are blessed because nobody values the center position the way they should value the center position. Last year, there were a bunch of starting centers that didn't go in the first round. So with I, I believe they should have addressed it last year. This year, they have five. I have five um, centers that I believe can step in and start day one. They need to get one of them. I'm not even going to tell you which one I believe that they need to get because I don't know if they have to get him in the first round. There's a good chance that he will be there in round two. And that's the weird part about this whole we positional value thing where a team will not take a guy whom they know that they need in order to be better just because somebody told them there was no value there. And so we could see them not address center on day one, come back, address center day two, and then pick up another guy in, in free agency that's still out there looking for a home. I still think it'll be interesting to see if Ryan Kelly gets cut from um, the Colts, if that's the answer, because that would be my answer. Mine too. Kelly and Glowinski right next to each other. Glowinski was better when Kelly was out there. Um, now you bring Azudu back in. You draft a rookie um, center to learn underneath Kelly. And now you've got your depth situated everywhere. That's what I would do. Obviously, I'm not a GM. But I do think that there's a legitimate plan to draft the center in place. I just don't, I don't know if it's going to have to be the first round pick that does it. Because everywhere I see mocks going, they don't have to reach for that center. He'll be there in round two. So we'll see how that goes. All right, Gene, let me ask you about the defensive line because there's kind of a little debate developing here. We know at the end of last year, run defense was a problem that they had to address. So they had Dexter Lawrence, who played an ungodly number of snaps last year, actually needed a rest towards the end of the season, you know, once got a Veterans Day off. Leonard Williams was banged up. So they added some guys on the interior defense line, but I want to focus on Leonard Williams here for a second. He's got a cap number of 32 million Mm -hmm. and there's, and and I think he's going to be 29 on his next birthday, if I'm not mistaken. Now I think Leonard Williams when healthy is still a very good player, still a functioning, functional player, but the giants need some cap space. And some people have actually said, well, if the giants can't get Leonard Williams down, you know, his cap number down, cut him. And I'm like, all right, then what? You know, so, so I want to get your take on Leonard Williams. You know, these last couple of years now, again, he's had injuries. Is he, st- I, I mean, do you still think he's he's worth carrying if he just says, you know what, I'm not doing anything with my, my cap number. It is what it is. Just deal with it. So, I mean, I, again, I, I'm, I'm always a person, I'm just like, the cap is the people's is the people's to deal with. They put themselves in this position, but I'll just give you one name. You probably know where I'm going. James Bradbury. How you like me now? You could have just eaten the money and found a way to through other whatever means to get underneath the cap. We've seen people like flip flip contracts into guaranteed money and open space like. 
The Giants have a, a million different ways of doing cap gymnastics to get around it. They let a starter who is still a really good football player go, and then we complained about the defensive backs all season. So now you want to let a starter who's still not even 30 years old leave where you're going to eat a large amount of his salary any you got to pay it anyway so if you're going to pay it anyway the what is it nine million i think or something like that 18 18 bases would it would be a salary no, I'm saying like how much would they save? Is it like nine or ten million? Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's just they they lose. They'd have more dead than they would exactly. savings. So it's like you're going to pay that anyway instead of instead of doing this thing. And this is why, by the way, this is why most people's caps are are a mess. It's because of the cutting. It's because of the you don't have a lot of cap room because you're signing people to deals and then you're not just honoring the deal until the end. You're trying to get from a, up, up under the deal. Okay, you can do that, but the most of the time, the guy that you cut is still good. And so it's like if Leonard Williams, who has not had a, had a career full of injury, if he can come back and give you 14 games out of the season at the level that we know Leonard Williams can give it to you, that's a win, especially when you look behind him and now you see better linebacker play. Because if we're talking about why the run game was bad, it wasn't bad because of the because of because of of Leonard Williams. It was bad because the guys that they had behind them were inconsistent. So if you if you're saying, hey, we addressed that, our big splash was a linebacker who we know can come in and be consistent, and we're getting a guy back in in, in Darian Beavers, who we hope is who we thought he was in the run game, which is a thumper who can come in and be a big body who fills gaps, then why are you going to mess up that continuity? Leonard Williams is not just a player. He's a leader. And so you, you have to think about those things when you decide you want to get rid of people. They didn't think about it in the secondary. James Bradbury was 100% a leader, and it, and it showed. Now you're going to do this, play, the, play the same Russian roulette game with the defensive line for $9 million in cap space? When you're when you're when you're up against it for for 20 for 20 million 18 million like it doesn't make any sense to me so yeah. in my opinion I think that they should stay the course and then next year when things become a lot more manageable like we we have to stop acting like we're not ahead of schedule here Giants fans we're ahead of schedule enjoy being ahead of schedule don't blow it all up and keep finding yourself in more debt on a on a year in year out basis because you want to try to rush the process. And to your point about Leonard Williams's contract, the reason why that number got so inflated is because they restructured him twice. They tried to kick it down. Yeah, they tried to kick the can uh-huh. down the road. That because was that was a that was a Gettleman move, right? If I'm not mistaken, that was a Gettleman move. He was trying to throw all the chips into the into the you know, into the center of the table, as Fossil once said, you know, um, and it didn't work out for him. No. And that was a bad move. It- hey, Giant fans, thanks so much for making the Locked on Giants podcast your first listener watch every day. 
Now make your second listener watch Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes. From free agency to the draft, salary cap management, and more, join NFL experts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise. You can hear them every day, Monday through Friday. Find the Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Gene, final question for you. We've seen the moves that they've made in free agency. How has this set them up for the draft moving forward? I know you touched upon it a little bit, but if you're the Giants, I assume you still go best player available. But if you have a tie, we have a cluster of guys, you know, with the same grades at different positions. How do you kind of see this, this draft shaping up for the Giants? I actually think that the moves that they've made um, especially with linebacker, D-line, and receiver, has opened them up to be able to go wherever they want to go with that first-round pick. I think that if they went, if they went center, wouldn't be mad. If they if they went out and got an elite level, an elite level guard, I wouldn't be mad. Like if they if with the twentieth, it's the twentieth pick, right? If I'm not mistaken, twenty twenty fifth, twenty fifth pick. Excuse me. Um, with the 25th pick, if there's an elite level offensive lineman there at any position outside of maybe tackle, and even then I would I would entertain it because uh, you know we don't know if Neil is, but he, he could be a great guard. Um, they have the flexibility to go lineman, to go linebacker. I would love to see them pair a young stud linebacker with you know with with Okariki. I think that would be a great combination to just reset that whole that whole grouping on the interior linebackers. Um, if they went if they went safety, I wouldn't be mad. If they went corner, I wouldn't be mad. If they went edge rusher, I wouldn't be mad because as much as we like those other two guys, they get nicked up, they get banged up, and, and you they know need that more than two in in the NFL. I think that they have the opportunity to go wherever they want to go with that twenty with that 25th pick. And I wouldn't be surprised if we got to the 25th pick and they looked at their board and went, yo, everybody's still here. You might see them trade out of the first round altogether and look to save money because now you're getting second round picks that are going to cost less in order to, in order to, to sign. You're going to have them controlled for one last year, obviously, but if you really like them, you're signing them in their third, fourth year anyway. You're, you're doing a re-up deal. And by that time, the cap will be straightened out and situated to where you can make those moves. I think it, it opens up a lot of opportunities for them to fill a need at all three levels on either side of the ball. The only thing I, I don't think you'll see them do is take a running back at 25. Outside yeah. of running back, I think that everything is still on the board. Well, Probably not a quarterback either. Yeah. But 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 I don't think anyone thought they were going to go quarterback at 25 anyway. Right. But I, I think that they really have set themselves up in a good position. They ha- they got starters. They went out and they signed starters in the in, in free agency. They didn't just sign a bunch of guys. Well, he can kind of help us here and he can kind of help us there. They got a they got a guy who is a starting caliber defensive tackle. They got a starting caliber linebacker. They got a starting, they got a couple starting caliber cornerbacks. They have a starting caliber of safety. Um, 
I just and, and then obviously starting caliber wide receivers. The only thing they didn't address in free agency is offensive line, and that just tells us they're probably gonna address it heavy in the in the draft. So I think they've set they've set themselves up in a great position. I would give this offseason an A plus, except except I I I would have loved to see them already make an offensive line move. So I'll I'll give them an A minus as far as what they've done on this offseason with free agency and with re-signing their players. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I I'm I'm not unhappy with a lot of the moves that have happened. Um, there have been a couple of surprises. I thought, for example, you know, I didn't think Darius Slayton would be back. I thought maybe he would, you know, especially after what he went through last year, I thought he would just Mm -hmm. take his talents down to Atlanta or someplace else. I thought they would bring back John Feliciano, but so far, honestly, nothing that has happened has really made me say, whoa, well, maybe the Waller trade. I'll be honest. That one I didn't see coming, Mm -hmm. but I'm talking in terms of their own free agents and stuff, but, but uh, yeah. Draft's going to be an exciting time. We'll see how the roster continues to shape out. And uh, as Coach Gene said over on Giants Country, we are going to have our mock drafts. I know you're working on yours. I'm working on mine. I'm also going to probably do one here on on the podcast, probably some point this week. Um, What day, I don't know, but I'll probably do that. Maybe I'll even go live with it. I don't know. Maybe I'll do the simulator and I'll run that live. Coach Gene. Fantastic stuff. Thank you, as always, for popping on. We will have you on again, uh, probably either before the draft or after. We'll kind of check in with you and see what's going on. So thank you. Check him out, folks. You can follow him on Twitter at Gene Clemens. Also check out his podcast, Talk Spicy. We got to mention that. We got to throw that in there. I'll have a link in the show notes for you. Um, Tune in tomorrow, Giant fans. We're going to have a all new episode of Locked on Giants. I'm working on another guest for you this week, possibly another two guests. Um, And like I said, at some point, I'm going to do my own mock draft here on the Locked on Giants podcast. So until then, everybody have a great one. Thank you for listening. We will see you tomorrow.